Welcome to Don't IEP Alone, the only podcast dedicated to helping parents navigate the IEP process and hosted by a special education advocate. Your host has been attending IEP meetings for over a decade and has helped thousands of parents go from an IEP rookie to an IEP all-star. Be prepared to learn tips that will be a total game changer for you as a parent advocate and most importantly, your child's outcomes. Partnered with the award-winning Block a Day in Our Shoes, you'll be confident, knowledgeable, and actually looking forward to your next IEP meeting. Don't IEP alone. Get ready. Here's your host, from suburban Philadelphia, Lisa Leitner. Hi there. Thanks for tuning in. It's Lisa again from A Day in Our Shoes, Don't IEP Alone. Thank you for listening and following. It feels good to be back on track. I was looking at a few things, and um, last year I started the podcast in March. And actually, when I started the blog itself, I started that in March. And when I looked at the history of the Facebook group, that was started in March. Um, so it seems like I normally really take the whole first quarter of the year to really get myself together, but I am feeling good this year. I've prioritized, I've cut a lot of things out and I'm actually getting it together in January, not March. Um, by now you have hopefully heard the podcast interview I did the other day with a mom advocate from Florida, just talking about a couple of different issues. Um, actually later today, I have a ton of, I think I have four or five podcast interviews set up. So it's really happening. I promised you that it wouldn't just be me talking this year, um, that I would be interviewing others and it's happening. I'm interviewing several today and several over the next couple of weeks. So look for those. Um, thank you to all of you who have taken the time to leave me a review wherever you're, um, you know, wherever you're listening, whether it's iTunes or iHeartRadio or Stitcher, or Google Play, um, any of those places you can leave a review. I would appreciate it. Thank you for all the great reviews. I had someone, you know, I know you're not supposed to like let it get to you, but someone leave me a terrible review and she said it was because, um, because I curse, which in full disclosure, that is in the podcast description that I'm going to curse and that I have a Philly accent that I cannot hear. But, um, it's just, it's just who I am. I curse sometimes. It's a stress relief. It's actually been shown to be a sign of intelligence, although I don't think that proves my intelligence. Um, but yes, I do curse. And she was upset that she couldn't listen to this podcast in front of her kids. And I think, good grief, how boring would that be for your kids to listen to IEPs being discussed? But anyway... Enough of that. Please leave a review if you haven't done so already. I greatly appreciate it. I am long past the time when I can be on the um, on the list of apples like new and noteworthy, blah, 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 and all that. But I can still, I'm still striving this year. I would like to reach top 100 in one of my categories. So comments and ratings help do that. So today, what I do want to talk about... Um, Speaking of ratings, I want to talk about collecting data for your IEP. And I published a post on this last week. Hopefully you've read it by now. Um, 
If not, you know, it's going to be linked in this podcast. Um, and I think the title of it was how to collect meaningful IEP data. And if you're in the IEP group or the Facebook group, IEP, Facebook group, whatever, um, if you're in the group, you know that some of the advocates like myself and particularly Michelle and Gina, um, when a parent poses a question or a concern, a lot of times we'll say to you, well, what does the data say? What, what data do you have? Or gather your data, collect your data. Um, and it's a term I've been in a phrase I've been advising parents for 10 years. And then I realize I've never really advised you on, well, what does that data look like or what should it look like? Um, so that's what I want to get into today because it's, it's, I, a lot of places I haven't seen it done well and it's important, right? So for starters, um, your IEP should always pass what we call the stranger test. And that is if a substitute teacher comes in or a substitute aide, para, new teacher, new OT, whoever it is, a new person comes in, a stranger off the street, they should be able to pick up that IEP and implement it, right? They should be able to read it and and a total stranger should be able to read it and just know your child and be able to implement that IEP. Um, IEP data should also, if you're talking about the official IEP data collection for progress monitoring, that should also kind of pass this stranger test. When you're writing an IEP goal, the acronym that people often use is SMART. You know, you have to have SMART goals, and that's how you know if your, your goals are decent. Do they pass the SMART test? And the SMART being ac the acronym for um, specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, and time-bound. Okay, that's how you know if your goals are solid. You can use that same acronym when you're talking about collecting IEP data. The only thing I would change is I would change the A from attainable to apparent. And apparent meaning, you know, clear, easily understood, and so on. You don't want... If it's not apparent what the data means, um, you know, not just a bunch of numbers and decimals and percentage points and um, things like that, it should be apparent. And a stranger should be able to pick up this data and look at it and say, okay, this is where the child stands on this issue or this goal or this area of need. Okay. Um, I find that a lot of teams and teachers, especially, and I get it, I, you know I love teachers, you know I, I'm the first to say they're overworked, and I know that I have to explain myself every time I even bring up anything remotely, remotely that criticizes teachers. I have to explain how much I love public school teachers, and I do. But um, I find that teachers get really like worried and defensive right away when it comes to data collection. And I get it because they are overworked. They have way too much on their plates. They don't have enough help. And 
from their point of view, the, the thought of adding, you know, one more task to your every day is overwhelming, you know, and you think I just can't, I can't handle one more thing that I have to do in the course of a day. So I get that. But data collection doesn't have to be that complex. And I think we have to get over this notion that data, IEP data collection means that we're like documenting and tracking a child's every movement every day. That's not what data collection is about. And unless the child has a one-on-one and is in, you know, a pretty regimented program, such as a very, um, very strong ABA type program, there really shouldn't be anyone taking data on a child all day, every day. To start with great data collection, you have to start at the beginning. So first of all, you I always go back to present levels, the most important part of the IEP. You have to go back to present levels and do you have relevant, solid, you know, apparent baselines for your child? Are the baselines clearly defined in there as far as this particular skill set or goal that you're going to write? Is their baseline clearly defined and understandable in there? That's your starting point. If you don't have good baselines, how do you know if the child made progress or not? You don't. Okay, so that's your starting point. Again, present levels. What what are the baselines? Are they in there? From there, you do have to go to goals and you have to look at each goal and say, okay, is it a smart goal? Does it meet that criteria of being smart? I mean, being um, relevant attainable, all that stuff. Is it also, is that goal not only smart, is it relevant to the baseline defined in present levels? So if you're looking at a child's reading fluency score, you need to have a baseline and then you need to develop a goal for that. Okay. Then from there, of course, you're not going to measure a child reading every single day. Nobody wants to be tested every single day on anything. But you develop your goal, and then from there, you decide how often you're going to collect data on this and what method you're going to use. And that might be, you know, pullouts once a month to the resource room where she, he or she does a cold read or you know, whatever that's going to look like. Where it gets tricky is behavior. And behavior data collection can be overwhelming because a lot of kids who exhibit these negative, undesirable behaviors, they exhibit them at different points in the day. And you're trying to curb them. However, that still doesn't mean that you have to record that child's every moment. There can be check-ins or, you know, once you've defined how often the child is having this behavior, what your goal is, what strategies are going to be used to, you know, change, try to change this behavior, then you can do you know, maybe you are just want to track the negative incidents or maybe you want to, you know, track 
the really positive incidents and of behavior in that, you know, check in at lunchtime, check in at end of day, and somebody just has to have a, a data sheet that says, you know, yes, child fully cooperated all day and make a note of what you did. Um, I have a link in the blog post to Teachers Pay Teachers, which is a great website if you've never been on it. It's basically what teachers do is that if they don't find a worksheet or a data collection sheet or anything that they, you know, if they don't have one that they, that is useful for them, they create them and then you can go on Teachers Pay Teachers and they sell them to each other. So I have a link in the blog post to the link where they have all their IEP data collection sheets. There's no need to reinvent the wheel. Just browse theirs, they're $2, they're $3, whatever. You buy it, you download it, you use it, and then you know the teacher gets to keep, I think most of that money. I don't know how much teachers pay teachers takes. But anyway, um, you know, you don't have to reinvent the wheel as far as this actual collection sheet. You can offer to buy them for your team, you know. Um, I know teachers spend a lot of money out of their own pockets. So, you know, spend 10 bucks on Teachers Pay Teachers and bring a few in and say, you know, will any of these work for you? And help them out. And then it's really just about gathering the data per the IEP. So whether that be per marking period, per month, whatever that's going to look, that, look like, it's about gathering it and interpreting it. So I had a, and I, I put my son's data sheet in the blog post, a screenshot of it. My son had a real issue of, um, he was flopping, we call it the flop and drop, and I'm sure many parents who are listening are familiar with the flop and drop. Um, when a child flops and drops and they just, they go limp and they do that weird thing with their armpits that you can't possibly pick them up. Um, like at, at, at one point, like they're all limp, but at the same time, like they're so strong that he can't get them. Uh, but he was doing that and refusing to get on the bus at the end of the day. So, you know, they, they took data on the baseline of how often it was happening. They set a goal for improvement. And then they just, you know, each day after they got him on the van, they marked whether or not it was an easy transition or a difficult transition. And that's it. Um, and then the data collection sheet that I get is really just, it's the same software that they use to create IEPs at his school. And at the bottom, there's just a separate block for each time they record the quarterly data. You know, they've modified it a little bit to add these blocks in. And that way up at the top of the page, I have the goal, which includes the baseline. And then I have the progress underneath it. It's all just, just right there. Um, so that's data collection for an IEP goal. There are other times when I know I say, you know, well, you got to start gathering your data. Um, because IEPs are data-driven documents. You can't. Most parents just come to me with nothing more than a gut feeling, but I teach you how to define, you know, take that gut feeling and define it and put it into actionable items. 
because you do have to have data. You can't just go to your IEP team and say, well, I need this added to the IEP because I think this. You need to have the data. So on a more casual note, data can be anything. And so, you know, you might want to keep an empty notebook or again, you might want to buy some of these um, data collection sheets on teachers pay teachers and use them in your own kitchen. You know, I have notes for both, for things for both, for both my kids in our kitchen junk drawer that I get out, I write on them and I throw it back in the drawer. Um, but if you have one of those kids who seems to hold it together at school and then they get home and it's just a complete disaster because that's their safe place and they just let it all go. Um, and you want to start working toward working on this, you know, when the child completely breaks down at, at home, write it down, write down the day, the time, and as appropriate, you know, depending on the child's mood and, and when they recover and regroup from this, ask them, what happened today? Do you know why you feel this way? You know, as best that you can. Or look at your daily communication log. If you have one with your school, I have a list of those on the blog as well. Um, look at your daily communication log and see if you determine a pattern. Okay, data collection on a casual note, if you're trying to um, like have proof of a concern or have proof of an issue, that can be emails. It can be, I mean, it can really be, it can be homework assignments. It can be projects. Just keep it. Take pictures of it if you need to. If it has to go back to the school, scan it. Do what you need to do. But that's what we mean when we say, well, what data do you have? Because it has to be more than just a gut feeling. It has to be, and I'm not saying that your gut feeling is wrong because that's quite the opposite. I find that most moms have and, and dads have very good intuition when it comes to this type of stuff. And when, when you feel that there's something going on, most of the time you're right. Um, but IEPs aren't written and developed based on a mother's intuition, unfortunately. You have to have data. So, I mean, data is really just kind of proof. It's, it's um, evidence. It's you're showing, you're demonstrating that there's a problem or an issue or that something's working or that something's not working. Because you want to collect data on good stuff too. If we find things that work, and I think that's why a lot of times teams shy away from data because they're just, they're not at this point, they lack confidence that they're going to actually help a child, which is incredibly unfortunate, I think. But I think that we all go into data collection not expecting to see progress, which is the wrong way to approach it because you teachers do a lot of great things and they should be rewarded for the things that they come up with and they should be rewarded, rewarded for their successes. And we of course want to replicate what's working. So rather than also, um, you know, say you, we're going back to this kid who melts down every day after school or, or frequently, if he doesn't write that down, and say, hey, you seem to be in a really great mood today compared to usual. What do you think was different today? 
What changed? What happened at school that you're not upset? Because that's what you want to replicate. You don't want to just stop the bad. You want to continue the good. Okay, so that's a little bit about data collection. Um, anyone can collect data. Again, I try to be, by nature, I'm very, I'm a, I'm a planner. That's my type A personality combined with anxiety means like I overthink things to like the nth degree of every possible, well, this could possibly happen, so I better do this and be prepared for this. Um, but anytime that I'm suggesting something new or different for my child's IEP, I try to have a really reasonable and workable solution in place. So, you know, again, aides or paras can collect data. It doesn't have to be the teacher all the time. The related service people should be collecting theirs. And just make sure that as far as progress monitoring and data collection in your IEP, make sure that it's reasonable. I just, I mean, and again, most IEP teams are good and working really hard. I just happened to see one recently that um, it said that parent would only receive this progress monitoring reports twice a year and once would be at the IEP, annual IEP. And that's, I mean, that's, for this particular child, that was completely inappropriate. But for a lot of kids, that's really inappropriate. Um, twice a year just isn't enough. Again, if, if the child's making great strides, you want to check in more frequently and kind of build on what's working and help them make more progress faster. You know, again, it's not always about preventing the bad. It's like, hey, let's catch them doing something good. And if it's working, let's build on that. Okay. Teams don't talk about data collection a lot. They kind of breeze over it in IEP meetings. Data will be collected, blah, blah, blah. Nobody really questions it. Parents are kind of afraid to question it, but then all of a sudden, you know, months go by and all they know is that they haven't received anything besides progress, or, you know, report cards. So we need to start talking about this more because it's, it's what matters. It's, it's how we know our kids are making progress. Okay. Um, there's a blog post linked to this. Um, there's a blog post linked to this wherever you're listening. Uh, and stay tuned again for interviews. I have uh, talking to someone about another advocate about um, going on to college. Um, a lot of interesting things coming up. So stay tuned. I have Monica coming from the Brain Recovery Project. Um, she's, I'm sure you've seen her in the group. She participates a lot. She, um, I'm excited to talk with her in a few weeks. I'm discussing, I'm chatting with a BCBA. So that'll be exciting. To, to two nerds like us, I guess the, most of the general public isn't that excited about talking with a BCBA. I am. Um, so that's it. So thanks as always for following and listening and make sure you sign up for the email and make sure you're following the page and all those other fun things. Have a great rest of your week. 
Thanks for listening to the Don't IEP Alone podcast. No parent should have to IEP alone. And with a day in our shoes, you don't have to. For more IEP assistance and letter templates, visit adayinourshoes.com. For ongoing assistance and support, follow our Facebook page and group. Wait.